Okay, welcome to the Articulate Ox Podcast, where artists talk about the art that made them artistic. I am your host, Soma79. I really, 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 really appreciate you joining us for another episode. Uh, my guest today is San Antonio rapper Bidu. I was so happy to talk to Bidu. The topic that she chose was Tyler, the creator. And Tyler is somebody who I didn't know a whole lot about. I've been aware of him since he kind of hit the scene, but never didn't really realize just the depths of him as an artist and all the cool things that he's done and all the just all the effort and energy he puts in everything he does. And, um, you know, once you start peeling back the youngling on Tyler, there's so much cool stuff there. He's a really amazing artist. He just has a, a he's got a star quality to him and he seems limitless. He seems like he could do whatever he wants. And, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of Bidu because she she has a little bit of that star quality, too. And she is a very intelligent, fascinating, awesome person to talk to. And she's a damn good rapper and she works her ass off. She just got off tour pretty recently and uh, sounds like she's looking forward to getting on another one whenever she can. So check out Bidu, check out her social media and check out her music on Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. And I hope you enjoy our conversation. Peace. And once again, I forgot to mention, stick around to the end of the episode to check out the song Stuck by Bidu. Thank you very much. This is episode, I think, 15 of the Articulate Ox podcast, where artists talk about the art that made them artistic. Thank you so much for joining us. My guest today is San Antonio rapper Bidu. How's it going? Hi, good. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic today. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank um, you for inviting me. Yeah, so I've been I've been watching your videos online. It seems like uh, you you really got it. You you know how to rap. I, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I finally made it. I know. Huh? I, you have. Where's my rubber stamp to give you the stamp of approval? <laughs> He's. He said I'm a rapper, so I'm a rapper. Yes, yeah. It's all the validation happened. you need. You know, Definitely. as some 44 year old white dude lives in a tiny town. I'm the. I'm the one that decides. In case you're wondering. Yeah. Obviously. Yes. Yeah. And now, now the world knows. Right. Yes. Now the world knows. The Grammys. Yes. It was all in the sky. Well, hey, sp speaking of the Grammys, um, Tyler, the creators who we're talking about today. And I believe he won um, Hip Hop Album of the Year for this one, right? And he maybe did. did he also win it for this one? I, I thought I said yes, he won Yes, Boy was the row. first one. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. um, I already had the one. Um, I'm always so bad with the names of the albums, but um, I already had this one. Get lost. <laughs> yeah, I was never. I'm so Tyler for me was someone who, when he first came out, the first thing I ever heard about them was they were doing a signing at Newberry Comics in Boston, and it turned into a near riot, as I believe the way it was described, and a police officer was hurt. And then they did a show at the House of Blues in Boston not long after, and it got shut down. And at the time, I was living in. I was like the biggest mall in New England. I I um, had a condo in it, and there was a Newberry Comics in there, so it was like I had a record store in my basement, which was like my childhood dream. That's and I was beautiful. like, and I'm like, I don't know who our future is, but I'm gonna go find this CD now. And I got down to the store, and there was a woman that was maybe like 15 years older than me who was doing the exact same thing as me. She's like, my son likes these people, and we gotta find the thing. And I'm like. I don't know if I relate more to you or your son, but right. Um, <laughs> no, and that was uh, this record here. So, yes. Yeah. I can't even remember the names when it's written on the top. <laughs> so, um, what are your earliest um, memories of Tyler? So, my absolute introduction was still during Odd Future um, in like two thousand. 
2010, 2011, they had not really like blown up yet, but they were definitely already well known. And they were coming through San Antonio and performing at the White Rabbit, which RIP the White Rabbit, it's all San Antonio folk, but it's classic San Antonio music venue that I grew up going to, like all my favorite music memories I saw at White Rabbit, as well as like lots of local shows, which is now the Paper Tiger. And I think that the Paper Tiger as a brand still upholds the same like amazing venue. So they on future came through and performed at White Rabbit. And my friend, I was in high school at the time, and my friend um had tickets. She was a fan of them and um her friend couldn't go. And she was like, honestly, I think you would really like them. Like I know you haven't heard them before, but just knowing like your music tastes and stuff, I think you would like to go. I was like, yeah, I'll always, I'll always go to any live music. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what genre it is. I'll go to any live music. So we go and and I just, I felt in love with everything that they were doing. And with Tyler himself, he was just like one of the most um, exciting, like electric performances that I had ever like personally seen live before. Mm-hmm. And this is a very intimate venue. There was less than a hundred people there. Wow! When I saw them for the first time, what, 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 like, what is that? All the venue holds, or was it just that that they were there? At the time, it probably held like two hundred people inside, and then there was an outside area that you could also see the stage from. Yeah. Um. So, so it was pretty like early. This must be one of their first doors, probably. Very early. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. And just super electric performance getting to see like taco was there and haji was there and sid was there and like i just fell in love with like everything they were doing which is hilarious because they're so ragey yeah. um but i think i was really ragey too at the time and <laughs> i was what like, high school's for they're everything i, I mean, feel <laughs> i bought this shirt at the smashing pumpkins concert in high school and this is the album where he's like despite all my rage is still just the rat yeah <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> exactly and i mean you know some of my like earliest introductions to hip-hop in general were um beastie boys and rage against the machine and you know like so i was already like really ingrained with that like ragey rap you know like and so then odd future was just like the culmination of that and i've been like i took a picture of tyler on stage that night and it was my background on my phone for like the next 10 years like Did you get, so, a, I mean, with, with that few people there, did you get any chance to interact with them at all that night? Yeah, tons. Actually, it's one of my favorite stories of, about, like, interactions with Tyler over the years was um, he, I mean, he jumped in the stage or out into the audience a ton of times, which, like, especially in those early days was, like, odd future signature, but especially right, yeah. like, before before Lil Uzi Vert was doing it, Tyler yeah. was jumping in the crowds a long time ago. And, uh he so he was doing that like interacting like he would get like real right in your face you know because you're like you know chest up against the stage in this venue so all that and then the show ends and everyone's ushering you know all of odd future off stage um to the back and tyler points to ask the security guard to whoa who's that and the security guy turns around and he takes off the other direction and runs into the crowd with us and he's like yeah and he's like hugging everybody and stuff like the security was trying to rush them to leave and he literally like pulled like a joke to get him to like be able to go and interact with us like it was it was a really really cool that's the type of energy you can't fake either because it's and it's also the type of energy that 
is infectious and it's it's you know it obviously that night started off you know your yeah. <laughs> forever but it's it's authenticity is really what it, it comes down to yeah 100 percent. i think they all have like always represented that you know like they've never not said what they felt <laughs> they've always been very authentic you know yeah yeah we'll get into sort of the things they said and, and how they felt because i mean i i i um definitely had to do a few google searches this week is tyler the creator gay because and i'm just wondering because so i i kind of sort of got back into him this year i wasn't i didn't i didn't keep up on the news with him and i was like oh flower boy he mentioned these mentions about like you know kissing men and stuff like that mm -hmm. and i was like i i remembered him from back in the day and some of the things Very he said that like, people didn't really like and, <laughs> and the only thing i knew about him in between was that i saw ever seen pop star the lonely island movie yes where basically the character i think it's chris red is basically playing tyler and yeah. i was like and i didn't realize that i i think i thought he sort of got laughed off the scene a little bit but then i realized mm -hmm. no i was just I, don't, I wasn't paying attention i was just being an old idiot well he made a shift in the scene i think like an intentional shift in like his focus and what his music was doing yeah. so i think if you were part of the crowd that like you were he was popping up in your newsfeed all the time I think it kind of moved. So if you didn't move, right. if you were intentionally following, then it probably just seemed like he just wasn't popping up anymore. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's um and for me, it was, I mean, I'm 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 I identify as non-binary. So it was it was interesting to me to see somebody, oh, I didn't realize there was some as a rapper myself, I didn't realize there was somebody at that level who I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. I the websites like I don't really care. But like it was it was interesting how there was they couldn't decide or not. You know, it was like some <laughs> sites had decided he was and some had decided he was trolling. And I'm like, this is interesting. Like Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like, it's, um, I don't know, finally someone plays the media, but. Yeah, which I mean, it has been, you know, funny enough, two of my favorite people in the world, Tyler the Creator and Greg Popovich, both people that will sit there and like, just make fun of the media in their faces. Oh, yeah. He's, and be the, like, guy, don't he's, the, he's a coach from the Spurs, right? The Spurs, yeah. Yes, yeah, I've, I've uh, seen so many videos just of that like, guy. Don't ask me stupid questions, you're going to get stupid answers, and I that's know. how they both always have addressed stuff like that, so. Yeah. I respect it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The best we have is Bill Belichick, and uh, less said the better. <laughs> um, so, so for you, did, did you follow him pretty much all along his his career from there? Pretty much, um, definitely his music. I followed throughout the whole thing. I went in and out of following like interviews and like what was going on, um, just because. I, I have like a, a there's a duality about following your favorite celebrities, yes. you know, because there's, you know, I can appreciate them for the art that they do. And like they're unbelievably talented and it's undeniable that they're talented at this art and how their art impacts me, you know, that I listen to this and it makes an impact on me. And then there's the human being, the flawed human being. Right that's doing it and we just you know more and more and more we find out these things about all our favorite people i know and then and it's like, like yeah yeah so i've been i i go in and out of following any celebrities so i would say like not necessarily like not following tyler for any period of time but just like not following yeah. celebrities. it's so. funny there are some celebrities that i'm not into what they make but i kind of like them as people and like i'll follow Definitely. them but there's some people like 
I mean, I mentioned like Smashing Pumpkins, like they were my favorite band in high school. I'm wearing their shirt now. I don't think I follow any of them on anything. It's yeah. like I never, I never think about them. Like I unless I'm like putting yeah. on a record. And it's it's yeah. weird that I guess we can just pick and choose like that these days. It's you know much better than what it used to be. Yeah. Uh, no, for sure. I mean, uh, and and I think there's it is varying degrees, and for every person, it's varying degrees too. So it's like tough to kind of weed through like. What information about this is important or not, yeah. you know? I had never seen uh, Loiter Squad until a few days ago. Really? Um, oh, man. Where has that been? Like, what a wild ride. To the, deep, touch deep, deep, deep in the back file cabinet of Adult Swim. That's I know. I'm, I love Adult Swim. And um, <laughs> I, I watched like a lot of the first season. I, I'm going to go back and watch the rest of it. But the thing that got me the most is when he was, when they were doing the thing where they made the blurring things appear in their faces. And they yes. were just like, I've never, I haven't laughed that hard in so long. And yes. It's, just, it's oh so stupid, but so amazingly so brilliant. <laughs> yes, I know. This is like, it's just they they give out the undeniable energy of right. like just doing fun stupid shit with your friends. Yes. You know, like that's like that's what they've always been around like Tyler too is like a big platform. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of bullshit going on. There's a lot of like serious things going on, but like sometimes just be stupid. Right. Just be stupid with your friends, you know. And uh that show is definitely them being stupid. <laughs> They also on that show they look like they belong on television. Like they don't look like they're like they are. They have the charisma. They have the look. They have everything. They have like even if they weren't making music, they still kind of have a star quality to them. I think. Yeah, I agree, and I think that comes from. Um, I mean, one they they've been making skits like that forever and putting them on Vine and all on their MySpace and all kinds of stuff like forever. Yeah. And um, so they already been doing stuff like that for us. They're a little bit more practiced, I think, which definitely helps them to like actually be able to do a great job and like, you know, acting it and doing the energy right. and everything. And you can tell they probably had a lot to do with the editing because it feels like that's crucial to it. Like, it yeah. feels like they, all their experience doing stuff paid off when they got their opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I think also like one thing about Tyler, that's a huge inspiration to me that definitely also, I think, spans most of the people that were originally part of Our Future is like the most multifaceted um, part of it that pretty much all of them don't do just music. They also do film or they right. also act or they also model or they also do scoring, you know, like not even rap music, but they do different music and they all have like all these things that they do. And so when you see them, you know, in a position of like, you know, acting or something like they they have all this experience and all these different modes of art and different modes of production and different modes of entertainment that I'm sure it all kind of comes together so that when they don't have to think about all the nitty gritty of the stuff, like they can just do the acting yeah. and just make it enjoyable. Yeah. Like when I looked up Taco, who I'd never heard of before this week, and I saw I had like one over one million Instagram followers, I'm like, oh, this guy's a legit star. Oh, <laughs> yeah. like a legit, like, and it's like now there's so many legit stars that you can't even keep track. So I don't like, you know. Oh yeah. But I feel like, like every oh. time I look up an Instagram account, I'm like, this person has, you know, over a million followers or something. I'm like, I've never even heard of them. Like, yeah, I know. There's so it's many like, people in the world. I know. <laughs> it's like, they can't all be people pretending to be like Bitcoin investors, which I think is like <laughs> right. half my followers, you know. I'm like, when the URL in your in your, in your your bio is www.bitcoin.com, yeah, I don't think that you're really. <laughs> Probably not. I get a lot of marketers that can't spell marketing. Um, which I, is. 
<laughs> not great. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's, and once this AI stuff starts being used as a way to like make its own spam, we're all going to be screwed. But it's literally just very so bad. bad. So bad. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I worked in marketing for a decade and, uh, I do, I do so, marketing too. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so like seeing the advancement of technology is like exciting, but also like, Man, there's just like so many ways to infiltrate the normal person's day to day. <laughs> I know it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy. I it's yeah. um yeah I try I yeah <laughs> we're we're gonna find out what to do with all this technology one day. I know. one day we're gonna find out what to do with this that's gonna matter. <laughs> Hopefully the AI can figure it out. I don't know. Um, I just still marvel at how even in our like definitely in on this this old Apple laptop that happened in 2008, I probably have better recording equipment than the Beatles had in their entire career. And I probably have it better on my phone too, to some degree. And that, that to me is but like- man, it still sounds good when I put that vinyl on. I know, <laughs> that's the thing too, is that you can Even my analog equipment is so sought after. It has that right. like, that quality that just like, you, it just infiltrates your ears in such a different way, even that the most high quality, high tech produced songs that we make now just doesn't hit you the same way as yeah. that old stuff does. In the past year I've turned into a sounds better on vinyl guy. And <laughs> I'm um, just that yeah. And I I I used there was a, in a different time, a different place. I thought I was going to be like the greatest rave DJ in the world. Um but here we are. And I but I still have the turntables that I yeah I, 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 I already have a little bit of tinnitus. I don't need any more. Um <laughs> But like I, I went out and bought turntables 20 years ago that were way beyond what I ever need, but I still have them and they're built like tanks. And I'm, it's like, I'm so happy That's to awesome. be able to just play because it, it, there is something about listening to a full side of an album now, like just experiencing it more and even just forcing yourself to get up every 22 to 30 minutes to, right? Move, you know, literally, you know, and. And I think it just makes me appreciate, like you said, listening to like the you know full side of the album, and it makes me appreciate like every ounce of like every second of that that was reviewed by someone that they agreed like this was the art I wanted to make in this. Right. So it sounds like you know, and like as much as I can appreciate that when I'm listening to something like on my phone or whatever too, like I'm a busy person, and when I'm driving around, I can just be like, eh, skip that one. I'll listen to it later. You right. know, like or or get to the end of a track and there's some like long outro and i'm like well, the first time i heard it yeah it's a great outro but i'm just gonna skip and go to the next song but when you're listening to it on vinyl like you know the work you'd have to do to skip a portion of a song right it wouldn't be worth it you're <laughs> so just much like work. i know it is and then you're not gonna land in the right spot and then yeah you're so something. yeah um, yeah I, I had to work through about two weeks of technical problems getting my stuff back. It was like, oh, now one speaker plays, but the other one doesn't. And now there's too much hissing and now there's too much humming. And then I, we have a little music channel at my job where we talk about stuff. Like, Anybody can help me with this. And when it finally came out right, it just was like a needle drop in like a Quentin Tarantino movie. I was so, so happy. I love that. I can feel it. Like all the tension building up, trying everything, and then it just works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But um, Love that. Yeah. so in terms of your own development as as a rapper, um, how when did you start rapping? Were you already rapping when you got into Tyler? How how has his work influenced you there? So I've been making music my whole life since I was a kid. I like started learning the piano when I was eight. 
um, this keyboard right here, actually, this exact same keyboard is the one I learned how Very to play nice. on. <laughs> and um, so I you know, learned how to do that. And I was immediately interested in like composing my own songs, you know, and stuff like that. So I was like always making music. I play a bunch of instruments that I learned throughout my life. Um, and then I got really into hip hop as like a music consumer um when i was like in middle school which was when my dad um who like i've always had a tremendous music bond um with my dad like most of my biggest influences like from childhood stuff were introduced to me by him and he's the one who introduced me to the beastie boys and his machine and eminem and tupac and biggie and like all this stuff and sounds like your dad and i might have um grown up around the same time (laughs) 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 my my first like tape i owned myself was beastie boys license the ill and it was when it came out so well it's funny talking about my development the first cd that i ever bought for myself with my own money was um system of a down (laughs) mine was totally crossed out by crisscross I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow. But yeah, you know, so it's like, so I started getting introduced to that. And so I still kept a large love of all types of music, which I still do to this day. Um, but as I got older, you know, and kind of like de- being around different communities and stuff and like the types of people I was around, like hip hop just rose and rose and rose and yeah. more and more importance in my life from that point on. And so by the time I was in college, um, most of the music that I was making at that time, like I said, I've, I've always been making music. I wasn't doing anything with it. I was just making it. Yeah. And uh, by the time I got to college, most of the music I was making was uh, was rap at that point and doing a lot of stuff like, you know, um, doing like lay, like laying down something on my like cello and sampling that and making like a little quick beat off of it, doing some drums and then just rapping just those two instruments in my voice. Yeah you know and um when you actually know how to play the instruments it doesn't take like all the bullshit of having to like try to make something sound good so it's yeah it's, let me it's a big you. advantage no one you're doing is a big not, advantage yeah and i'm not like a producer by any stretch of the imagination i do make some of my beats from songs i put out i i've made but for the most part that's not my forte and like that to me is exponentially harder than like playing yeah. the cello but I, I do think that for all the rappers I know, the ones who at least can can make a beat, I do think they have an advantage. I think that they're they're forced to like um, at least they empathize then with what it takes to make a beat. Because I, I think yeah. there are some rappers who get very greedy over it, who think it's very easy, but and and they don't understand how to do it. And I think you just have so much more control, both creatively and probably artistically, and maybe from business sense, if you if you are able to, if you're gonna rap, you at least know how to do For it. For sure, like I definitely set out with the goal of doing everything 100% myself, like making the beats, recording it myself, mixing and mastering myself, putting it out. Um, and then I just realized that like sometimes like there are people who are experts at certain things for a reason you know yeah. and so i've made lots of connections to do that but um i, I will a, say- I, I work well with one producer where i'll just do a half-ass version i send it to him and he does the full-ass version and i'm like oh that's an okay way to work so i love start- that sorry i interrupted yeah. you were saying no you're good um i was gonna say though about your point about like an artist who knows how to make a beat you know kind of having the advantage the the biggest advantage for me personally once like i made that connection um, of like doing the two jobs together um, is like all the little tiny nuanced things in a song that like when you do what one general listen you maybe don't hear that tiny little thing in the background but if it was not there the song would not sound the same right and for me personally like 
when it comes to writing one huge huge thing that like is for me the most fun part about writing is um doing finding like fun and interesting cadences and like switching up cadences like really often like trying to just like find new and interesting ways to like make the words flow Mm -hmm. is like my absolute favorite thing about writing and when you know those that little tiny weird scratch that's in the background that no one else can hear you can write to that cool little background thing and then it just brings that out in the music and it makes your lyrics and the music hit together so much more than just vocals pasted on top of a beat right you know exactly. and like that to me is like pinnacle music making like right. getting like all those little things like perfectly ingrained together where there's all these layers of one impacting the other i just that's like peak music for me <laughs> yeah yeah and it's it's funny you talk about it that way i remember as a kid they would talk about i mean people who didn't like rap but i came from a pretty small town so a lot of them <laughs> didn't like rap um they were like they're just talking over over someone else's beat and i'm like you have no idea how hard this is you have no idea how much <laughs> thought goes into it and like even even looking back now at people like cool g rap and big daddy kane from that area they were really technically amazing and yeah it's, it's crazy that they weren't i mean they were big but they weren't as big as they could have been yeah because we, we think about um looking back on classic hip-hop right and a lot of that stuff people think of like as almost like rudimentary like when we right. think about the like fast rapping and like all yeah. this different stuff that people do today and like all the you know heavy emphasis on like metaphors and like analogies and all that kind of stuff when back then it was very like it comes across if you don't really like listen to it it comes across as very like you know I right. gotta say it was a good day like, right, you know, just right. figuring, you know? yeah it's um, funny because even like, in the so even... much more to it than that even in the early 90s, they, I remember we were, like Run DMC was considered corny and like and Will Smith was already corny. Like, oh, yeah. And but then they all the thing that I think happened is that over time they came back because they were even though they weren't the best rappers, they were the best MCs. And Will Smith yes. was a really good MC and Run DMC was about as good as MCs get. So yeah. then it was like, remember when MCing was important? Remember when the energy you brought was important? And and that to me is something that you is is lost in a lot of hip hop, obviously, but it's it's one of the best reasons to go back and listen to the old stuff because the energy. Yeah, well, hundred um, percent. There's just so many like little things that like just giving it a real listen, like you can really tell like. Yeah. There's a lot of passion and a lot of care and a lot of skill, you know, throughout all the eras, you know, like even it's if like, you see music today that people want to like talk, like people always want to talk down on mumble rapping, people always want to talk down on trap. But if you really sit there and listen, like sometimes they, sometimes these people are, are like talking about the deepest stuff and everyone's like, oh, all I want to talk about is like drugs and guns and they're just mumble rapping and this person's over here talking about like wanting to kill themselves, you know? Like, right. you know, it's like, it's like real deep stuff like through all eras and people just... It's funny you bring up that type of music too because I, I for a long time, I put on stuff like that and try to get into it. And I, I struggled with it. But then like I started watching videos online of like maybe shows and stuff or documentaries where they talked about it. And when you see it in the context, when you see the like not only just the artist, but the fans with the artist engaging with the artist, it all makes much more sense because it's not, it's it's like you, you can hear the song, but without engaging in some way with the collective energy, it is a little harder to get. No, I 100% agree with you and had an extremely similar 
experience that changed my mind about it because I wasn't always a biggest a big fan. I'm, I would say it's still not like the type of music that I seek out to listen to regularly. But I used to like be like, ah, I understand that people like it, but it's not for me. But then I, I saw um, Trippy Red live at a festival who I had heard his music before and genuinely was not interested. I was right. just like, cool. I tried to look him up a few times and I, I've struggled to get into it. So I'm but looking forward man, to your I saw him live and the amount of like passion that he put into the performance and behind the words he was saying, like really, really solidified in my head. Like, okay, I need to like give a deeper listen to this than like the standout lines that everyone knows or, you know, just the little things that pop out to me or just the style of music. Like, cause I mean, I was sitting here and I'm being touched. I'm not touched by this. I'm like, oh my God, I'm emotional listening to this. So like, there's no reason why I wouldn't enjoy this in my day-to-day life as well. Right. You know, and it's just kind of like taking that time to just see that this is a different style of music. So let me listen to a few different parts of it. Let me focus on the music. Let me focus on the lyrics. Let me focus on the styling of the voice. Let me, you know, focus on different aspects of it. And I guarantee in really any genre, you're going to find right. something you like. You know? It was um, the documentary they made about Lil Peep, who was an mm-hmm. artist. I When I watched that documentary, I was like, oh, okay this it all in the in that i got it finally i got how the yeah. music works and like and i was like okay all right it's cool like i and i wouldn't i'm not gonna listen to it all the time but i'm like because part of it for me is that if there's popular music that i don't get at all i feel like that means there's segments of the population who i don't get at all yeah. and so that's what i sort of it's like sometimes like if i want to be able to relate to these people who identify with this music the music it helps me to identify with them better and i don't want to just if there's that many people who are into it i don't want to discount whatever feeling it is behind it you know yeah no that's a really great way to look at it honestly um i feel like somebody never leaves the house so i don't know if i'm ever actually gonna meet these people but (laughs) ideally speaking (laughs) well and that's the thing is like for me like a live event is one of my favorite things in the world to be at like i i mean in any kind of live event like the only sport that i like habitually follow is basketball um but i'll go to a football game i'll go to a soccer game i'll go because the live like the energy of people who care about this thing is so infectious and that's how it is with music too like one of my homegirls was celebrating her birthday a few months ago and wanted to go to this honky-tonk country-ass bar which is just so not my scene um but i was like obviously gonna go because it was her birthday and we're there and everyone's two-stepping and dancing around and i was like look at this energy you know like and probably most people that are here i would never fuck with on a normal day but i appreciate their energy right now you know and um so like talking about kind of like experiencing the music and experiencing the community going to like live shows like that does that for me you know like even going to like really like hardcore screamo rock which like i don't necessarily get into that much but going and like seeing everyone around me and how invested they are i'm like i get it like i get that feeling i'm getting it right now you know yeah 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 so what's um best what are the best some of the best shows you've ever been to anything mm-hmm. how about at you how about this this is an easier one way to think about that what's the first concert you ever went to <laughs> the first concert i ever went to was uh reliant k which if you're not familiar is a familiar, Christ- it's a christian punk rock 
alternative band. All right. The jars of clay open. <laughs> yeah, but like way cheesier. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, at, uh, at at South Padre Island uh, for church camp. Cool. Um, they they got Reliant K, which is kind of wild because they were actually a pretty large band. How, how was the show? Great, incredible, yeah. <laughs> yeah if you're a good performer. It, it's like it's like being being a performer itself is is the skill, and it's like if you're a good performer, even if people are into like that what you do on a regular day, you can bring them in. You know? Yeah, for sure. I guess for a sure. lot of religions That's... probably built that way, actually, but. <laughs> no, for sure. And I mean, like, and, and I was I was a fan of Reliant K at the time. So it was very exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Like that they were it wasn't like I just happened to see them. Um, like I was like, I was hyped and it was a great show. You know, so <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> um, and then okay, favorite. I'll say I I always struggle with favorite type answers. Yeah. So I try to just usually go with whatever the first thing that popped up. Yeah, whatever, whatever is like obviously it's important to me. Um, which not to like obviously this is an episode where we're talking about tyler but i still feel a little self-conscious about fangirling but That's i will fine. say you'll never watch this don't the, worry <laughs> <laughs> one of the best um performances was tyler at the last camp vlognaw um which was um when igor came out oh i just listened that for the first time the other day that oh my whew. god the and i mean the tyler is an unbelievable performer to begin with. And yeah. I mean, like I said, I just talked about the first performance, which was just like a rage rap mosh type, like in a little venue type thing. But over the years, I mean, he he orchestrates his performances. There is stage design, there's lighting, there's costume changes, there's wigs, there's, you know, like very orchestrated things. He puts a lot of work into his performances. And um, I've seen that progression over time. And I feel like Igor, um, that performance at Camp Vlogna was like, I'm not going to say like a, a pinnacle or a peak because I genuinely believe he's going to even do better in the yeah, future. Yeah. But like at the time, it was like an absolute peak for me for like what a an orchestrated performance can look like because that's like a big dream for me is being able to do a performance like that where like they're maybe having dancers on stage to do something or like have some sort of stage design and something that's like the whole thing from beginning to end is an experience rather than and here's my next song yeah and here's my next song and here's my next song and that's be do and bye you know like which i love those too but like that's that to me is like a big dream is getting to that really really like worked on performance that's like a like a play almost really and that's how that one was like from beginning to end every single little tiny detail was like watching a movie that i was watching it live in front of my face with all my favorite music with my favorite artists yeah. like it was just and i was like i was probably 10 15 people deep like, from the stage so i mean i was like i had i was like up close and personal watching it it was just amazing for me it's like when you go to a show like that you, you know where the ticket price went which is nice. Oh yeah, and it's like you yes. realize that a lot of like it's it, it's him, but he spent a lot of he could have just got you in there to see him perform, but he spent a lot of money to hire other people, other artists to work on this. So he essentially yeah. becomes a traveling community of this thing. I had known I had a friend of of a family member who had done that sort of stage work for Kanye and Daft mm-hmm. Punk in like maybe twenty years back, 
and he would just he would he told me the story about the stories about just like how basically you're just this traveling show from town to town of all these like amazing artists doing like, these so things crazy. that have been done before with maniacs in charge wow. <laughs> like, and, and he was like we're on australia like riding motorcycles behind the tour bus <laughs> and i was just like wow man like this is um and he was a young kid at the time you know it was just that's that's a great way to spend your 20s yeah, yeah. oh my god i, I did it wrong uh, yeah, I did it wrong. I, I did my twenties wrong. Yeah, I know. I think a lot of us did. Um, so, so you, I've seen you seem like you've been playing a lot of shows. Did you just do a little tour? Um, I did just get off tour. Yeah. What's what happened on tour? How'd that go? It was amazing. Um, I was opening for Landon Cube on his tour. Um, I did San Antonio, L.A., and Phoenix with him. Um, and it was awesome. I mean, it was a uh, I've had opportunities to open for artists much larger than me before, but never really something that I felt like that artist's audience probably isn't going to like my music, right. you know, like, and I felt like with Landon Cube, like, I really felt like, because he's very, like, hip-hop adjacent, I would say, like, he does a lot of rock, and he does a lot of pop, and he does a lot of singing, he has some, like, kind of country-type, like, guitar and some songs, he does straight-up hip-hop, and so I felt like, um his audience would um probably really like my kind of like a little bit of a different sound for like a normal mm -hmm. rap show yeah. and um and so yeah and I and I was right his audience was amazing in all three cities that I went to and um I met a lot of really incredible people and then all the other artists that were also performing um the talent was just at such a high caliber um it was, it was a really really incredible experience and I um I road tripped the whole thing myself um so i like left from san antonio i went to big ben for a few days i went to tucson and then i went to vegas to link up with some uh, music friends that i have there shout out to not speak easy based out of vegas um Check them out. And, yeah so i went and met up with them and we you know met in the studio and hung out and then i went down to la did that show went down to san diego to visit some friends cut over to phoenix did my show there back home it was just incredible experience with like a bunch of really really incredible artists like just That's all awesome. around me the whole time do you, do you plan to go to a tour again soon? i would love if honestly my entire life was just driving city to city and performing that would be like like i swear the whole trip i was like i could convince my cat to like move into the car with me and we could just go on the road all the time because yeah. um yeah so i definitely i, I plan on um trying to um for 2024 um put together a tour of my own where i'm booking the shows and the venues in these different cities because i do perform out of texas pretty often like pretty regularly um feel very fortunate that i've been able to do that and so i've just built these really cool communities in all of these different cities and i'm very invested and very ingrained in my san antonio music community um but I just, I want to build these connections with these other communities as well. And so I do have plans for like putting together more of these like short run tours for sure and stopping in some of those cities. But for 2024, I'm hoping that I can, I can pull it off to put together a real big tour where I'm, I'm curating the shows in each of the city and everything. So, yeah, I mean, that's great too. Any, anything you can do to take on more control of yourself. I mean, I just talked about how great it was that Tyler was paying all these artists, but like when you're starting out, it's like, it's like, how do I do the opposite of that? And how do I do everything myself? 
and then yeah. then there's no one like BSing you. You you it's I don't know. It's it's better to handle your own business, I think. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a tough balancing act because I am very much the the type of person that just wants to do everything alone. Yes. Like I've always been that way. <laughs> my, I, I really, my, yeah. my family can attest to that. They make fun of me for it constantly for just always being like very like solo minded. You don't have this many action figures if you don't have somebody who does a lot of time alone. If you don't start out spending a lot of time alone, you end up that way. This was the wall that was a test for me whenever I brought a new person I was dating to my house. Like, we'll see how they react to this, and then I'll know how it goes. Yeah, it actually worked. It it ended up being true. I didn't make any decisions on the spot about it, but I made note of it later. You know, went in their file. I have had people come into my home and ask me um, about vote Igor. They'd be like. Igor, like from what is what is that from? And I'm just like, damn. <laughs> yeah. I made this um vote for doom art that I just reposted the other day that was um a mashup of um MF Doom and the Shepherd Fairy poster from Oh, I didn't see that one. I saw the the Wu Tang one. Oh yeah, the Smash Bros. Really, yeah. Smash Bros. Um, Speaking of your art, yeah, this is your oh, art here. Where'd that come from? <laughs> um Concept had a few of your prints. Oh, I gave him some, yes. Yeah. And um, me and a good friend of mine, um, around that time, like we were um working on some projects with Concept, and so we were over there a lot, and I had commented on loving this piece, and so he gifted it to me. You want the story <laughs> behind that piece? Yes, please. Um, I was in Amsterdam. This was um I'm not going to say when, but uh, it was, I was there, my girlfriend at the time, or my fiance at the time was, um, she was, she was Czech and she was visiting family in Czech Republic for a few weeks. And I'm like, I don't speak the language at all. So I'm going to go around myself a little bit for a little bit. And then I'll meet up with you for Christmas mm-hmm. in Czech Republic. And so I went to Amsterdam for my, by myself for like four days. I'd never been there before. And I didn't know that mushrooms were legal and, and readily available there, but I learned fast. <laughs> learned real quick <laughs> right and so i went to the um banksy and i went to the van gogh museum tripping and then the there was a banksy and warhol museum there um i came dangerously close to buying a banksy <laughs> which, oh my God. it's i i whatever thankfully I'll, my bank account would never allow me to do that <laughs> i was worried about like customs and stuff but it did not happen <laughs> So no one like breaking my house thinking there's a Banksy here. There's not. Um, and I was, and so there is a black light museum that was in, I'll eventually get to the point that was in Amsterdam. That was the only black light museum in the world, I guess. And so on my way, I'll tell you that story, but on the way there, I walked by a playground and that was a photograph that I took of just some girls playing on a playground in Amsterdam. And um, I actually, the other day that popped up my phone and it, it tracked the geolocation. So it showed me exactly where that was shot. So. Oh, that's so cool. I love doing that. I love going back and finding that, that stuff. But yeah, no, I love it so much. I, I appreciate that. Oh, but the Blacklight Museum. So I go in there and this is a funny story. Um, I go in there and it's a really tiny place and, then, and it's full of like geodes and crystals and all that stuff. And as soon as I look, there's a woman in there who's got these three kids that look like they're probably like, Teen, like in high school or a little bit out of out of high school and they didn't look one of them was there were two young women 
who I think were Hispanic and one in the guy was black. And as soon as I walk in, he looks at me and I it's immediately, I'm like, trip my brains and I'm like, oh, I can, I can tell the vibe exactly. He basically made it look like you're in for something. Wait till you see what this lady is like. And this lady gives us this tour of this, this, it, like she starts talking up the Blacklight Museum, which is in the basement, and how all these things like move around and it's amazing. We see photographs of them in front of the door. The door looks like something like you're going to go down to like a wizard's den or something. It looks amazing. Like that. And I'm, I'm peeking at my, you know, trip. And so then I, um, and she's like walking around the sh- and she's still not like letting it get in the museum or anything. It's like two days before Christmas. And and she's showing us these posters. These are like, oh, there's posters downstairs that belong to Jimi Hendrix. They were given to us by their blacklight posters. They're given to us by his brother. And she told us a story about how difficult it was to get them and show them in the, you know, the Hendrix estate and all this stuff. And then she's ta- pointing to this geode and she's like, this comes from New Jersey. And she's talking about it like it's a super exotic place. It's across the world and they don't know what New Jersey is actually <laughs> like. Hilarious. <laughs> and so I'm tripping and like I'm looking at these kids and they're looking at me I'm like probably like 15 20 years older than them and we were both sharing this bizarre experience despite the fact that none of us know who we are or where we're at and who knows what they were on and then she starts walking us by the door where we're going to go down and she goes but unfortunately the museum is closed and it won't be open until next year because it actually takes two people to run it and my daughter helps me run it and she decided to go home for Christmas like a day earlier or something <laughs> and I was like left with that information <laughs> I know it was it was unbelievable it's such a random experience that like yeah. You could probably never re- recreate that experience. No, like, and I had, like, but I will say that I had about six or seven similar experiences over those few days. I, are you sure? Are you sure you had those experiences? I have one that I'll, I'll tell on another day, but like it involved, it was the weirdest experience in my life. And I, I don't know. It's, I, I, I have to actually go back. I had to write it down after it happened because I was like, I might forget the details. And now I, I want to go back and actually read it before I tell it. But it was, it was one of the most bizarre. I basically Every, lived like a month in those four days. Yeah, no, for sure. Every time I've ever written down some profound realization that I've had, in the middle of some you know deep thing uh and then and then later when i go to read it to recount and be like oh i'm so glad i wrote this down so i can remember it's usually nonsense <laughs> like my my absolute favorite one it's just written on an envelope for an overdue bill this is years and years and years ago but it was like a very overdue bill that was actually causing me a lot of stress and I had the envelope on like on my counter on my table or whatever. And and in that moment that I just I had to write down this incredible realization I was having. I grabbed like a orange sharpie or like a, a, a highlighter that was nearby and wrote, art is completely different now. <laughs> and that was my grand profound realization. The next day I saw the envelope on the table and I was like, oh my God, I forgot. I wrote down like like this incredible thing like I had to like let me look at it and I saw yeah. that and I was just like really? you know what's funny though if you put that in a nice glass frame it becomes art it's like it, it's <laughs> it like, will be soon <laughs> I mean that's like it literally now it's an existential whatever and it, it then takes on the value of art again you want to know the funniest part is that I do remember what made me have that realization that 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 made it dawn on me that art is so different yeah I was watching. <laughs> I was watching the music video for Kodak Black's um, ZZ, 
<laughs> which is like, please watch it after. It yeah. is unbelievably chaotic. It's like, it looks like something that I made in my first video editing class. Like, I just learned how to, like, put a picture on the screen and make it move around and then fly off the screen. That's, like, the vibe of it. But it is very professionally made. Like, it doesn't look like it's poor quality, but that's the vibe of it is, like, yeah. just this very chaotic, like, just... Oh, this... And... Yeah, I'm filling it up right now. <laughs> yeah. And that... I, I was watching it, and I, I'm not, like... Oh, wow. Watching. Yeah, this... Yeah. <laughs> You see what I mean? I, I was watching that and I was like, art is completely different these days. You know, like this is art. This is yeah. art. And it's so different from the art I grew up with. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's like anything goes now. I mean, it's... um, it, I love that. You know, right. like I realized in the last few years, and it's something that I think the realization was something I was kind of telling myself, you know, but it's impacted the way I see other things is like... um whether something like the in, the intention's important like the yes. art that i create i have intention behind it every word i write i have intention i have a reason for it and it, there's a reason that i thought that these words went well together with this beat and that it should be performed this way and like like there was intention behind it and i feel like despite the things we see in the world every day I feel like as a society, we are moving towards being so much more accepting of like someone saying, this is my art, right. you know, like I made this and it might not look like anything you've ever made before. And it might seem nonsensical to you. And maybe it is nonsensical. Maybe that's the point right. I gave to it. But, that but there was, was intent and effort and thought, and you know, passion. and I just I love that. And it's been something that's helped me personally like just putting music out because even the times where I'm like uh this probably isn't good or you know like it's like okay well I finished the song and I thought it was good I wrote it I edited it I did all right. this stuff obviously this is what I wanted to create with this and if someone else doesn't like it then someone else doesn't like it but right. you know like this is what I wanted to create and it's, it's helped me a lot like as an artist but also it's helped me like the way I view other people view other people's art and stuff but I can see, you know, that might be like the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. But like you had a reason for it. Right. You know, and I also appreciate any time an artist, especially one that probably tries to have a harder edge or has a kind of that they show a sense of humor. Like mm -hmm. it's so humanizing. And it's like, obviously, yes. this is, you know, this video is nuts. It's it's I love it. Yeah. It's, it's it's wild. I know. Same. <laughs> it take, but it takes risks. And that's what's, you know, it's. I always get frustrated, and this happened a lot in my hip hop scene back in. Um, in I used to play a lot of shows like the Middle East and all these places. I mean, in Cambridge, not not like, oh, the, like Saudi Arabia. It was that's cool. Here. No, um, yeah, I'm I'm getting that Beyonce blood money from Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> we don't cut that part out, but um, yeah. there was a lot of. Um, like oh hip-hop sucks now we're taking it back to 92 we're taking it back to this and i'm like look just be what is now like this this idea of like the older was always better it's like there's always a warm place in your heart for what's old and what's classic and the feeling it gave you and some of it stands up better than other but like it's okay to just be in the moment because that's where yourself is and you're supposed to be being yeah. yourself you know 
exactly you know and I just, I, my goal is always to be like i if i try to have good taste in music and i try to make music that i like to listen to so hopefully those two merge at some point you know right like so. people like this music and i'm making right. music that i like and i like it so there's got to be someone some sort of transit property me, that right. is the like the middle of the venn diagram there's got to be more than me in here yes yeah yeah no, I, I definitely feel the same way which is funny because i don't feel like my music necessarily is like and and anyone can feel free to correct me no one's ever said anything like this to me so i'm and i don't feel this way so i'm assuming it's the case but i don't feel like my music's very like reminiscent of any in individual artists you know yeah. like i have my inspirations like tyler and mac miller's a huge inspiration oh, to me god i love mac miller so like uh you know i like just this, read this so dope book that came out about him that i would highly recommend anybody oh i've been wanting to get it it's great. Yes, yeah, okay. I'll definitely get that. But yeah, you know, and so it's like I feel like I'm not necessarily like reminiscent of any any particular artist. So I struggle with the idea of, you know, oh well, you know, I have good taste in either just like what you just said. Because it's like, okay, yeah, just because people like Mac Miller doesn't mean they're gonna like me. Because <laughs> right. I'm not I don't sound like Mac Miller, you know? Yeah. But yeah. um but I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's gotta be more than just me in that diagram of people like Mac Miller and like my music and like Tyler the Creator and like my right, music, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was so delighted when when I got to the point with my plays on Spotify where they allowed you to do Soma 79 radio. And I'm like, all right, well, who, who do you guys think that I'm like? And I saw some who, of the artists. It was like, um, well, I, I've done a couple songs with Copyright, who's been around for a while. So he, he brought in some of his music. I think it brought in Elza, who I I do have a song with, but it hasn't been released yet. So I'm like, I don't know how Spotify might have known about that. But like, I was like, oh, I like all these artists. So I'm like, that, it's like, it's it was oddly validating in, in a weird way. Yeah. No, 100%. I did. So I haven't gotten to that point yet. There's no Bidu Radio yet. Uh, one day. One day. But I will say, um, through DistroKid, when you do like a pre-save link um, for like an upcoming song or whatever, when people sign up for it, if you go look at the stats, there's a section that says like, oh, the people that pre-saved your song, these are their top artists. Oh, I gotta check that out. And it was like, I was blown away. I was like, man, like these are people that listen to like these artists, but they're also like going out of their way to fork up their email to like pre-save yeah. a song that I'm putting out, you know? And I'm, lots of that I'm sure has to do with my personal relationships, you know? But like lots of like, you know, like left, you know, out of a whole thing, maybe there's a few of them that are people I personally know. There's lots of people who are just fans and they're also fans of Chance. And they're also fans yeah. of, you know, like um, Foo Fighters. And they're also fans, you know, it's yeah. just like, okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, it's unbelievable that we have these sort of um, abilities to get this information now. It's, yeah. As much yeah. as I hate when someone's collecting my data, <laughs> like when I'm like digging through it, I'm like, eh, I guess there's two sides of this coin. That's, I mean, that is my 100% perspective, especially having worked in marketing. So I'm sure yeah. you understand is like, do I hate that every website I visit, everything I do is collecting cookies on me and selling it to all these other companies? Yes. But right. when I get an Instagram ad for the exact thing that I wanted, am I upset? No. I'm actually really happy that a marketer used data to right. find me so Somebody I can buy that thing. Yeah. I do <laughs> no. hate, though, when I already bought the thing and then it shows it to me on sale after. <laughs> I hate that. Look. 
and here's the thing is there's a there's a very this isn't a marketing podcast but there's a very simple way for marketers to not target people after they've already bought it and people just don't do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it annoys me <laughs> the most annoying thing that happened to me on a recent purchase it was actually something too where i saw it when they showed me an ad for it on sale and they're still showing it for me on sale <laughs> now to this day is that they gave me free shipping but they charged me for handling and I was like, I feel like I should be able to take you to court for that. Literally. <laughs> like, I didn't even, I don't think I really thought that any systems actually could even separate that. I just assumed. They, they found a way. Easy. It's like, um, they got my two bucks. And I'm like, wow, what? A, you clever bastards. You know, I don't know whether to feel insulted or just be like, nice work, boys. Nice work. Maybe both. You can feel both. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's, valid. It's, you know, yeah. I can, have, I can have conflicting emotions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what would you? So what? What are your ambitions for your art? Um, do you? You said you want. You'd like to be on tour pretty much all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I just I love performing. Performing, even not being on tour, I perform very regularly. Um, and not to say that I don't. I just do every show available to me or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just I really love performing so much. It's just. Um, I've, I've talked with multiple people about this over time, but like the moment that I'm on stage, everything else going on in my brain shuts down. Like all the anxiety, all the like, you know, like e even though, I mean, I talk about pretty dark stuff in my music sometimes, um, which, you know, it's just my way of kind of working through it and getting yeah, it out. Purging. But even that, even sitting there performing a song that, is really dark in nature and is about some stuff that I'm really dealing with and I'm struggling with when I'm performing it, it it's just like nothing else matters and I just it feels so good so performances are definitely like my my number one like priority for most things and and then obviously other things that are also huge priorities but the number one slot definitely goes to performing so I would love to eventually get to the point that I could do um, either like have my own festival, um, whether that's just like a, a week, a one time a year festival or like a, you know, a period of time kind of thing, like a warp Tour type thing or, you know, like a Rolling Loud type thing. But I would love to have my own festival um, one day. And um, and then otherwise, I would love to, uh, you know, like the way that Tyler does um, his album releases and his tours is you know um obviously correlating them which lots of artists do but he really like that stage design that performance it's not just going on tour because he dropped an album it's i put so much unbelievable work into every little tiny detail about this album and that same amount of work is going into this tour so the places we go to the songs that we choose to perform the stage design everything is so orchestrated around this experience of experiencing the music you know yeah. and so like that to me like if that could just be what I'm doing all the time it would just be like uh, I would be living an absolute dream at that point I think it's cool too because he's an artist who understands that every time you perform you have to give them a reason to come back yeah and that's important if they have to give a reason it's like the artists know if they come back they're going to see something special and it'll be something different than the last time and that can't yeah. be said about a lot of acts yeah and I, and I mean i try to do that even on the local scale you know like the majority of the shows i do right now i get 
three to five songs, depending on the time and which songs I choose to do. And I do have a pretty standard set of songs that most people know if they've seen me perform, but I try to change up the set list, but I also try to change up my performance of it. You know, like there are those ideal ways that even when I was writing it, I was like, Ooh, this would be a great moment for me to do whatever with the audience. But I very much perform off the energy like of the people as well. You know, I, um, I've performed to three people and I've performed to over a hundred people, Yeah, you know, and those three people got the exact same level of passion and energy and performance for me that the over a hundred people all got, because that's just how important performing is to me. So I really try to make it so that even the people that like every single time I have a show, they come out to support me because they live locally and they want to support me. I'm hoping that every single time they're hearing me do something different or seeing me do something different that like, then when the next time I post a flyer, they're not like, oh, I just saw her last weekend. They're like, I just saw her last weekend, but like, what if she right. does something else? You know, right. like that you I'm made that you made you made stuff. a space that they enjoyed being inside, essentially. Trying to. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, so there's it's like you know, give them a reason to come back and be inside that space again, you know. And, and yeah, yeah, for sure. Stuff. And I also perform a lot of unreleased stuff. Um, like usually my shows are like half unreleased and then half stuff that's actually out. So um, and some of those songs I never plan on releasing. So you're literally only ever going to hear them if you, you know, come to the show. And then that's an experience that we got to have, you know, me and you, the audience member, got to have this cool moment with this song that like, is it that we don't get to have another way like you just listening to my music on Spotify, you know? Is there a reason why you would hold back from releasing certain songs? Um, some of them, I feel like, sometimes I write songs to be performed like everything about them from like the enunciation to the energy and everything is like I wrote this to be a live song and it just would not translate the same way um that's a huge thing for me yeah um sometimes it's like something that just started as like a freestyle kind of thing but I thought it was really strong so I wanted to perform it and so some I do have a few songs that I plan on at least doing like freestyle videos of them yeah, and putting them on like, like doing like a music video for them and stuff, but not necessarily like releasing the track, like on streaming services and stuff, just because um, it's just a different, a different level of effort and a different type of intent when I'm right. writing ways, you know, you so. know, it's kind of like, you know, that song, let me clear my throat. Say it again. No, DJ Cools, let me clear my throat. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that song's recorded in front of a crowd. If that song was recorded in a studio, like it's, it's, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, you know, who are the dogs that are the best? And it's yeah, like, so there's some things where you need the, the you know, it's in the, the, the room is part of the ingredient of the song. Yeah. I was literally just telling my friend yesterday, maybe even earlier today, but um, about, like, I feel like I, I do love the process of, like, working with someone and recording a song, you know, and doing all the editing. I, I do love, like, I nerd out over that aspect of it. But if I could never record another song ever again and only ever do live cuts, like, in this dream world, not a dream world, in my future, 
Yes. When Enjoy. I'm living, when I'm traveling and I'm doing shows all the time and like that's what my career is, is being on the road and performing. I, I would love to just only do just live cuts of everything. Like the first, like when an album comes out, it's because I booked the show and I performed the entire album front to back live. And that was recorded for like, you know, an intimate show. And that's the album. That's what comes out, you know, that's rather than studio versions. Um, just because I don't know, no matter how much I try to put all the passion of a live performance into the recorded version, it's just always going to be different, you know? Right. And, um, yeah. But, yeah, especially too, if you be... feel mostly at home on stage, like that's, you know, that's yeah, where it seems like your art is drawing you to, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. So, yeah, dream. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny, though, how much there are those artists that the live experience is, I always, Rance is one of my favorite bands to see live, though I almost will never listen to them, like, not live, because <laughs> it's just not the same. It, it's in, some are, very, I think Cottonmouth Kings was, was big like that for me. I used to go to every Cottonmouth King show now, and I try to put a CD <laughs> on, I'm like, okay, all right, this is probably <laughs> Yeah, great. no, I just, and I, you know, I, I just, I, I personally love performing, and then um, I, I think I put on a good show. You know, I've gotten feedback that I put on a good show. So I would hope that I would be one of those artists that, you know, not not to be like, eh, her recorded shit's okay, but she's great live. Like, the recorded shit's great, too. Yeah. But, like, you know, but I would hope that people would just crave my live performance more than more than just a stream. Well, I'm you seeing know, you like, in my stories all the time, and not just from you, like other people in the area are posting you and talking about how great you are. So, I mean, it's, you're, you're making an impression. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> okay. But yeah, love it. Love That's it so awesome. much. I just, music is like, I, you know, an, another big revelation that I had to, had to write down and share with someone at one point was that music is everything to me. Which, like, you know, that's not as goofy of, as a revelation, um, but it was something that's, like, even though it has been part of my life for my entire life, and it's been such a humongous influence on me and everything, you know, it took a switch in my brain to be, like, no, like, this is everything. Like, yeah. music is where I feel most myself and most at home and most just, like, calm in my brain but it just never <laughs> stops you know yeah. it's like music just impacts me on such a grand scale like nothing else ever has not love not pain not money not nothing like music's it for me yeah. so at that point i remember um back in the day when i was younger and maybe in college and i get into someone's car and I'd look at their cd wallet and it was like the soundtrack to like four things and like the same eagles greatest hits that everybody has like oh you and i aren't aren't we're not cut from the same cloth at all yeah like, what i like the shrek soundtrack what <laughs> like, like scream 2 soundtrack is where the is, is where the um Come on, the you're only listening it for all-star all right be honest you're not listening to the get whole shrek soundtrack <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if like Eddie Murphy has Donkey sings a song, but if he does, I'd be stick around for that. True. I do have a 12 inch of Eddie Murphy saying my girl likes to party all the time, um, which is really happened. But yeah, um honestly, iconic moment in music history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I yeah, so people's music days does kind of tell me a lot about them sometimes. It's um I it's weird. I think it's in some ways unfair. Like, 
you know, unfair to judge, but in other ways, it's like totally fair to judge. And then there's there's some people. Uh, I remember. One of the, I don't know why this popped in my head, but one of the weirdest music memories I have in my life is I was at um, the gym once, very early in the morning, and it was just me and this one other guy next to me. And for some reason, he got a machine right next to me. And I had my headphones on, listening to a podcast or music. And over the sounds of him and I both working out on our machines, I could still clearly hear through his headphones he was listening to Crocodile Rock by Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how loud is this? Just like going on. And I think about that and laugh at it like once a month. <laughs> that is absolutely yo, look, I'm never gonna judge anyone's like pump up jam, you right. know, but like I don't I don't think I'll ever meet anyone who, who has that as it. Yeah. That actually reminds me, I, when I saw Aquaman in the theater, it was a totally empty theater. And it got really quiet at one point because there, was, there wasn't a lot of sound going on. And all I could hear was, um, we will rock you from Bohemian Rhapsody, Rhapsody coming from the theater next door. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to go I think there's some better soundproofing on that theater. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, you know. That's but, funny. Yeah. Um, so anything else you, got, you want to cover here? Any, uh, any more Tyler talk you got, or do you, did you, I think you might've inferred to that you might've had some run-ins with him again down the road or meeting him. I have, I have met him a number of times. Any other um, good stories? Nothing like that would probably really, like it's, they're funny stories, I would think, because I saw him, you know, from before they were even famous yet, all the way till now. You know, like which, where he's incredibly famous. Yeah. And so it's been funny to, as a fan, as a very big fan, and especially as someone who met him the first time I ever saw him or even heard of him, you know? So there, I had like lots of other experiences like that at like small intimate shows where like he would interact with the crowd a lot and then like would interact with people after the show. Um, so I had a handful of experiences with him like that. And then, you know, he reached a certain point where he's doing very big stage shows where there's no chance for you to see him. And so a long amount of time went between the last time I had interacted with him face to face in person. And um, when I was in L.A. uh, in 2018 for Camp Vlognoff, and I went to the... um, the golf flagship store while I was there because I duh. Yeah. Uh, that's his so, clothing brand, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I went there and um I was walking out of the dressing room from trying on a sweater and walking to the cashier, and I had to walk past the like hallway from the like warehouse, like the storeroom. And so I walk around the corner as he's walking from the back, and we like literally ran into each other and I, like oh dropped my, my stuff. God. And that's like something I, out of a like, sitcom. <laughs> Yo, know, we literally like ran into each other. I dropped all my stuff. I looked up, and I was like really starstruck, which I was like a little taken aback by because I've met him. Like I've hugged this man yeah. more than once in my life, but I'm like genuinely, and I like was like. Uh, I like it. He was just like, you know who he, you are. <laughs> yeah, right. And he was like, he was like, are you okay? And I was like, I was like, oh yeah. And he like picked up my sweater that I had dropped and like gave it to me. And I was like, thank you. And he was like, yeah. And he just like kept walking. Like it was like literally nothing. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't even remember it. 
But it was just like I walk into six people a day like this. (laughs) (laughs) He literally just waits in that hallway for someone to walk out of the dressing room and yeah. But you know, it was just it was like a weird story, you know, about like meeting him. That it was just like, man, like now that he's risen all this fame and everything, and like I really see like how everyone appreciates him at this level. I just felt like so like oh my god, I'm just a person, you know. But he's, a, he's just a person, too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he is. You know, he is. That, that's the thing. Like, he's just a person. And also, we're both literally rappers. Yeah. So, you know, so. Um, although I think he probably doesn't actually identify himself as a rapper these days. That is always fun when, when they stop identifying themselves as rappers. Like, it's like. Well, you know, funny enough, what, you brought up the Grammys before about Flower Boy. And he won that one in a rap category which for him and i and i i agree with this on a certain level is that that, that wasn't a rap album yeah um, like, I would, yeah i listened a few times this week and i yeah you, know. you like I, I would say it it could easily be put in the hip-hop category and no one would argue but it was not a rap album and he said that in his acceptance speech he was like he was like honestly this is goofy as hell because like there's other rappers out here who had rap albums yeah. and like he's like he was like thanks they're like you know like, like he, the, the, the Grammys want to clarify they're like this this is the the black artist category exactly. and Eminem it's Eminem or the black guys <laughs> it's like that's essentially what they do you know? that's literally all it is and that was exactly what he said in his speech too he was like you guys pick you guys picked a bunch of black artists. And you chose this as the black category, not the rap category. He's like, if you want to give me the best album at all the black people here, I will take that. Because he he was he said that he was like, yeah, yeah like, but he was like, but I, this isn't a rap album, so I don't know why you gave me best rap album, but thanks, I guess. Like, that's kind of how he went about it. And so, yeah. and I would say, you know, out of you know, from Flower Boy to um, Igor to Call Me If You Get Lost, I would say Flower Boy was the most rap. Out of the three of them, he's yeah. only gone further and further into yeah, just like. Or didn't feel like that was surprised at how that sounded, but I loved it. It's oh yeah, you know, because I mean, he really moved into, uh, in my opinion, like pure music production more than trying to fit in like a rap category or like something like that. Like he produced, right. he produced the hell out of all three. It's, of cra- it's like crafted. It's 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 like yeah. finely crafted. You know? Yeah, for sure. And like watching videos of him like making some of these songs and stuff like you one it's literally watching a freaking you know artist at work but also like he gets so unbelievably excited when he hears a new sound like he's going through samples and he hears a certain drum beat and he starts jumping around oh man that's gonna be you know like and and i just like he cares so much about producing art like that at the end of the day is what it is for him. And that like, for me, like it's something I have to like bring myself back to a lot, you know, when you're dealing with like politics in the community right. or money, you know, being an artist who is very early in this and is not necessarily profitable yet, you know, as with my art, you know, like there's a lot of things that like kind of get in the way, but at the end of the day, and I've said this a million times, um, but like at the end of the day, if, if you make the art that you wanted to make, you already succeeded. Right. Like hundred percent. Literally, like if you, there's different measures of success for sure. But you succeeded already. You succeeded at creating art. 
because you right. created this art that like it meant something to you and like and it's something that, no one else could have made yeah literally even if someone tries to 100 copy it, it's going to be different yep. you know because it's a different person so that to me like is like one of the reasons why he is one of the biggest inspirations to me yeah. is that he's always held held fast on that that like he just wanted to create like the fame and all that that came but he just wanted to create at the end of the day and that's you know yeah. like i mean i made music for most of my life without ever putting a single song out you know it's always just about the creation and the way that he came out the way that he hit the scene was not the way you come out if you're if you're looking for success it's not like there's no <laughs> blueprint to follow there i mean i guess starting riots will get you on the news but like um i don't know the um yeah. the video of him meeting doom have you ever seen that I have seen man, that. Actually, that just, is heartwarming. Like, yeah. yeah, man. That video is, is um, he's just, he's goofing out in the crowd, just loving the show. And then afterwards when he meets him and the way Doom just, it's just, it's as a, I mean, as a huge Doom fan, it's just like, man, that's just, I don't know. It's, it's art. Yeah, well, and he's like that with a lot of artists. There's a lot of videos out there of him just like being a fan. Um, like, uh, as controversial as it was when he brought Drake to Camp Flognaw and everyone just lost their goddamn mind. Um, like he he like literally made an agreement with Drake to perform a specific song that Drake does not perform anymore and was like, I'm not gonna book you on my festival unless you perform this song because it's my favorite song from you and I want to hear it. Yeah. And so when Drake went to go perform that song, he said that he was like, I wasn't gonna, I never performed the song, but Tyler said I had to. And Ty, you could see like for like from where I was, you could see Tyler run from backstage <laughs> down into the crowd so he could go be in the crowd experiencing it as a person that's a fan of music. Like so that you can't fake that, you know, you can't fake that kind of genuine love for music. Right. And like, I just, I love, like, I, I, I mean, personally, I'm never going to stop being a fanboy of like the artists I love, even if I get to their level, like I'm always right. going to be this much of a fan of Tyler, even if he and I become peers. Yeah. You know? And th that's, that's important. It's important to have those people that you just, that you admire in that way and whose work impacts you in that way. And it's, um, cause you don't want to lose touch with what it's like to be a fan. Yeah. And no. You know, it's and to be excited about something that you can feel but can't really touch. It's it's um it's it's a beautiful part about being an artist is feeling that way towards other artists. You know. Yeah. No. A hundred percent. And and just all towards types of art too. You know, not yes. just like the art in your own sector, but um, so many different things that are just like, man, we're all just really creating this stuff like every day. Right. Like there's just more and more incredible things to look at and hear and touch and experience every single freaking day. Right? Tyler too, I to give him a, a lot of credit, he he can pretty much at this point probably do almost anything he wants. I saw he did a Grinch song, I think. And it's he did like, he did the entire soundtrack. Did the entire soundtrack? To like, I think it's like five songs that wow. to the 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 new Grinch that came out with a Benedict Cumberbatch. Was it him? I think it? so. I just I happened to stumble upon it a few minutes. Before yeah, there's like a new on. animated Grinch that came yeah. out a few years ago, and yeah, he's he made like five songs for that. Like this man, as Odd Future, wrote songs about like sexual assault. That's like, the, that's the point I was going to make. Is that, it's like, like, 
it's it's yeah. funny because everybody used the example of Ice T put a cop killer and he's and he's played a cop on four hundred ninety seven thousand episodes of Law and Order, but this is that to a whole new level. You're like, wait a minute, right? Like, it's a children's movie, yeah. you know. I and know. I did think about that when I heard that he was going to be doing that. I was like, imagine like the the family, right? That like sees the movie, their son. Her daughter is like yeah. really into music. They love the song. They find out who the song's by Tyler the Creator, and they just are obsessed with it. And their parent, being a great parent, is like, "Oh my god! Like our child is so inspired by this music. Like we should let them listen to this artist more." And then they go look up his discography, and one of the songs is in all caps, "Bitch suck dick." <laughs> like that is like you know, like that's wild, you know. Yeah, it's 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 it must be so hard to be a parent, and I, yeah. I especially it's funny. I I kind of grew up in that generation where um, there was a big divide between what the world was like when my parents were younger and me. So it's like at least now, like if I had kids, I'd understand. Okay, well, I understand what an iPhone is and like you know how they can do stuff. But like, yeah, if yeah, kids are so sad too. They'd be all of them. I know. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's wild. But yeah, I mean, he he's done. He he really can do anything he wants at this right. point because he's done music, which he does like every aspect of that to begin with. He um has done you know all these crazy different types of music too he does fashion he um does he's done um he's directed a lot of his own music videos and stuff and then he's also done a few other like um participatory roles on um directing like short films and stuff so he's broken into that he created his own perfume he created his own nail polish he created his own line of luggage like why not you know and so like and that's not to like beat a dead horse and keep bringing this up but it really just comes down to like the desire to create art you know right. like he's like i don't want to just make music i want to make all every form of art that i can think of you know well, it's and also I, like you ask some people like what would you do if you had like 10 million dollars and there's some people who would be like a line of cocaine i never leave my pool and then there's some people who <laughs> would do I, well like i guess a mountain <laughs> of cocaine um <laughs> But there's some people who would do what Tyler does because he could be sitting there just snorting cocaine by the pool all day. But he's doing he and he's also not going out there. He could be chasing dollar. He could be chasing paychecks that he probably could get might not be as fulfilling, but he's doing what he wants to do. And that's yeah. admirable. And also from a mental it, it takes a certain amount of mental health strength to be able to make those decisions, the, the best creative yeah. decisions for yourself while still maintaining your own identity and not being afraid to go in the press and be like, you guys are, what the fuck's wrong with you guys? You know? Yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, something I very much admire. It's something I think about constantly as I continue to grow, which um, I'm very fortunate that I continue to see growth constantly in my music career. Very important so, um, you know, theoretically, so that I don't fuck it up, um, you know, I'm only going to keep getting bigger. And I, I'm constantly keeping that in the back of my head about like, how would I navigate some situations like this? You know, how would I navigate, you know, the media being down my throat about something that I said, or the media telling me I'm spending my money wrong or, you know, or something like right. that, or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, and, and he is a big inspiration in me because it, it always comes down to like, I'm doing what's fulfilling me. And it doesn't matter if what fulfilled me today is the start complete polar opposite of what fulfills me tomorrow. Um, but like I'm chasing that thing that's fulfilling me and um, that like 
I resonate with that a lot, you know, especially like just dealing with um, just different mental health issues and stuff throughout my life. Like that's the thing that's always kept me going is like chasing that thing that's going to make me feel fulfilled and, and not just chasing it, but making it happen for myself. You know, like I want to make art. So let me figure out a way for me to make art. Like I want to, I want to travel. So let me figure out a way to rig up my freaking Honda Accord that I can take it for three weeks living in it on the road to go on this tour, you know, like, cause that fulfills me. And, um, yeah. and like gets me in trouble sometimes too, tasting the things that fulfill me. But, but you know, you, but it's like, if you sat around doing nothing, there's a lot of other ways to get in trouble that way. So you might as well get in trouble doing what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. That's going to. Trouble you know, will find you everywhere. <laughs> Bruh, who are you telling? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we probably can wrap up there, but it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, shout out your social media stuff where people can find you, any of that stuff or anything else you want to toss in. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, my name is Bidu. That's B-E-E-D-O. And uh, you can find my music everywhere at Bidu and um, on Instagram at Bidu underscore raps. Um, also, hopefully, you know, at a show near you soon. I'm doing shows constantly. I'm trying to book these tours and stuff. So um you know i post everything on my instagram as far as things that are happening with me on my merch i post on my instagram stuff like that so it's a great place to follow along the journey awesome well we wish you the best we the royal we over here at um, the articulate <laughs> us podcast ox podcast i i, I get the name of my podcast wrong every time i say it um <laughs> wish you all the best yeah. of luck and maybe you, you can come on again someday we can talk some other Would love stuff. that cool love all right me. well thank you very much for joining me bye Anxiety has got me calling me, calling my angels by the name I'm itching. No, I'm scratching my head inside, repair my brain, torn, exploring the pain that's straining inside my veins. Closer to click, clock, click. Oh, my abstain again, but I don't really like it here. I'm told it's getting good, but I don't really like it here. Dream smothered out back wood, and I don't really like it here. You said you knew I would give up, cause I don't like it here. In the end, the story never picks up where you left off on the page. The bookmarks in heart club turned away and left you in a cage. Bite marks on the corner, take it back and grow up past the stage. But your membership has been renewed, reused no matter age. And I'm stuck like a broad's edge, loop a dog's fetch, a dry red shop stuck. And I don't know how I'm going to get this feeling out of my head. I'm fucked. I'm fucked Baby, I'm fucked I said I'm fucked Some days I'm not there yet I've walked through the valley, I still feel I fear it Some days it's just an alley, I still cannot hear you Some days the mirror still repeats, so I'ma kill ya Yeah, I need a bullet for breakfast That's the rye in my coffee Green cup miss spell, but I digress I know I'm waiting off me this coffin comfy Versace tell Joanna Luke I'm not sorry too often quasi okay my stomach wishy-washy like I'm still on the ride I'm feeling the vibe and next thing I know there's a bus they arise I'm feeling a dread I'm stuck in my head there's only one way I can stop seeing red the shot shots watts watts ain't enough again no more talk it's called off take my ass to bed I'm stuck 
And I don't know, I don't know I'm stuck And I don't know how I'm going to get this feeling out of my head I'm fucked